Welcome to Strider NFL Football Reviews for week 11 of the NFL season. I am your host, Ian Strider, and this is the show I get to talk about my absolute all-time favorite sport. And this week was pretty exciting. There were so many upsets, a lot of lopsided wins, actually, so maybe not as much excitement, as much thrills as I would hope, but there were still some exciting games, and today I will be covering what I thought were the most exciting games of the week throughout the show, and I will reveal what I thought was the absolute most exciting game of the week at the very end. And as I do every show, I'll put some extra emphasis to cover my favorite teams in my fan favorite section. I am a diehard Denver Bronco, Chicago Bear, and San Francisco 49er fan because I grew up in Colorado, I've lived in the Bay Area, and I was born in the 80s when the Bears were absolutely awesome with Mike Ditka and Walter Payton and that fantastic defense. Additionally, we'll cover the lame ducks, and there were a ton of them. I think there was about eight eight games where there was at least a, a player or a team or an offense where there was a lame duck. So we got a lot of lame ducks to cover. And of course, some hot takes to, to kind of finish off the other games, or maybe just a couple of fun things I want to point out. Um, and throughout the show, I'll also feature some football food interludes because football and food are such good companions. They go hand in hand, a perfect pairing. So let's kick things off with the number three most exciting game of the week. And I'm giving that one to the Washington football team winning against the Carolina Panthers 27-21 to in a back-and-forth battle that had both teams scoring touchdowns in the first quarter, the second quarter, and I believe the third quarter. And then it wasn't until the fourth quarter where finally the Washington football team's defense was able to get stout and stop Carolina for coming back. Washington got a couple field goals to win it, and that was it. 27 to 21, close all the way through. Washington had to get the stop at the very end. Cam Newton had a chance to be the Superman that he is known as being in his first game back after having been sitting on the couch. Of course, he did get a play last week, but this was his first week getting the start. And he played pretty good. I mean, he was solid. I'll give him that. He was very solid. He had 21 completions on 27 attempts um, and two touchdowns. He also had 46 rushing yards and another rushing touchdown. But in my opinion, he seems kind of like he's also the reason they lost. They had those chances at the end to get something going, to get something done. And he did what he did a lot of the time during his latter part of his career in Carolina. He couldn't get the passes where they needed to be at the very end of the game. He wasn't, didn't make maybe the right decisions, wasn't quick enough thinking. Maybe there was some coaching issues, but that really did seem kind of where Cam Newton and that team struggled in the end. But it was a lot of fun. And first off, let's jump over to Washington and talk about Taylor Heineke. And I mean, how good can this guy get? He's pretty young. He's getting his chance to be a starter. He's going to get a play for the rest of the season now that Fitzpatrick is officially ruled out and unable to come back from his hip injury. And he's daring. He has some great big moments, sometimes some kind of lame brain moments. But the accuracy on his first touchdown was pinpoint, and so was his second. Um, you know, leading his receiver just out of reach from the defender, it was it was really nice looking. 
um, and the clutch play on fourth and three with the game tied 21 to 21 near the end at about midfield with just about seven minutes remaining where he ran to the sideline under pressure. The defender was coming at him, started pulling on his left arm, and then he kind of falling back a little bit, throws back towards the middle of the field off balance and gets a six yard pass for the first down to extend the drive that got them into field goal range for the lead that they wouldn't relinquish even though they did get one more field goal and so that was sweet it's fun watching taylor heineke every week he's competitive there was this moment where he got hit in what was a questionable maybe could have been considered an unnecessary roughness point and he got up and he started mugging the defender and then you know you could tell his offensive lineman being like all right we appreciate your enthusiasm and your toughness but let's get back to the next play before you cause some problem but i like i like his attitude he's fun to watch and and it was great it was great seeing him do so well Another guy on that team that I was really impressed by was Terry McLaurin, who's been really good for the last two years since he came into the league. He's had some amazing catches. He's had some really big breakout moments, and this was another big day for him. He had five receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. Um, and I got it. And you know, looking at their their wins this year, his big days seem to coincide with the wins. So maybe when McLaurin plays well and they get McLaurin the ball. That's a positive and really indicates that Washington probably has a chance to really get the win. Other than that, I got to say, I love seeing Christian McCaffrey back after being injured for a large chunk of the season. Season, He's been healthy fine now for two days. He had another strong day, 119 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, he just makes the NFL better when he's there. And it's super fun. He's probably my second favorite running back, which is kind of funny because my favorite running back is um, Heisman Trophy winner King Henry, who, of course, is injured for the rest of the season. That's Derrick Henry. And funny enough, Christian McCaffrey was the runner up when Derrick Henry got the Heisman Trophy. Heisman Trophy. Another thing that I kind of find fun about Christian McCaffrey and another reason why maybe I kind of hold him a little bit more to heart is his dad, Ed McCaffrey, was an all-star wide receiver in the De- with the Denver Broncos in the 90s when they won their two Super Bowls. And Ed McCaffrey was one of the f- most fun receivers to watch. He was super tough. He was a great blocking wide receiver. He could also take a major hit and not drop the ball. There's so many highlights I can recall where he just got whacked, didn't lose the ball at all, or had to make just some really amazing catch where as he was going down to the ground and managed to hold on to it. Uh, Couldn't like him more. So it's fun to see his son who also went to Stanford, they both went to Stanford, be as good as he is. So I'll I'll probably always be rooting for Christian McCaffrey. And it was nice to see him come back. Unfortunately, in this game, Carolina just couldn't pull it off. And the Washington football team got the win. Another funny thing about Carolina, I'll say, is it seems like every time they get a win, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Carolina, they're going to get to the playoffs for sure. Then they have, like, the next week, their defense kind of struggles like they did this week. And then everyone stops talking and raving about their defense and stops talking about them as a playoff winner. But it's been about an every other week situation. So maybe that means next week they'll win and they'll be back in the playoff conversation. Okay, later in the show, I will reveal the number two most exciting game of the week and we'll finish the show off with the most exciting game of the week. But let's now jump to my fan favorites. The Denver Broncos, they were on bye, so at least they didn't lose a game, and they still have a pretty good standing at 5-5, five and five, so hopefully getting a little rest 
and kind of getting themselves ramped up and their mindset ready to go. Hopefully they can hit the rest of the season strong. At least I can hope. For now, the Broncos still have a chance at the playoffs. So moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, who flew all the way over to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars and did a great job. They didn't miss a beat from their huge win last week against the Rams, scoring 30 points and holding Jacksonville to just 10. And the 49ers showed they can beat a team that they should beat. So, you know, that's something. They beat a good team last week. They beat a team they should beat this week. Who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the season. But I think they've got to be be somewhat excited. And because there's so much opportunity for those wildcard spots in the NFC, they've got to think they've got just as much of a chance as a lot of other teams. Um, And they really continue to have success with methodical drives, just like they did against the Rams. Their first drive this week was also super long, 13 minutes and 5 seconds, 20 plays, 87 yards, and apparently that's the longest drive any team has had in terms of time throughout the season. Really good ball control, and they were creative with their run game with their number one running back, Eli Mitchell, out. And Eli had been doing so well the past few weeks. He should be back soon. Uh, They used Debo Samuel, their all-star wide receiver, and he did good running the ball. He got 79 yards on eight attempts with a touchdown. He didn't do much in the passing game, but they didn't need him to. He only had one catch for another 15 yards. And their their actual running backs, they were okay. Jeff Wilson had 50 yards on 19 attempts. Trey Sermon, their other rookie who was drafted three rounds before Eli Mitchell, and has not really shown to be very exciting yet. Maybe he'll turn it around as his career picks up. Only had 32 32 yards, but combined, they did enough. Jimmy G helped balance that out by being very efficient and avoiding turnovers. He had 16 completions off only 22 attempts, only 160 76 yards, but two touchdowns, no interceptions. The Niners looked solid, and I hope they can continue to do that. Jacksonville, not a great team. Not a lot to talk about, but it was great to see the 49ers get that win. And my other favorite team, the Chicago Bears, boy, did they lose in a crushing way. It looked like they were going to have an opportunity to steal a win when I found out the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, all-star Lamar Jackson, was sick with an illness. Apparently it wasn't COVID, but something that kept him out of the game. And so I thought, okay, maybe Chicago's going get, to get a, get a win here, even though Baltimore's probably the better team overall. And they also were out without their number one wide receiver, Hollywood Brown. So another opportunity maybe thinking, okay, maybe Chicago's offense can do enough. Their defense can be stout. Maybe they'll get the win. And they were pretty good. They had a very solid defense. Unfortunately, Baltimore also had a solid defense, and Chicago did what they've done all year, just kind of not been able to put together you know, enough on third downs. Their third down conversion rate was really kind of abysmal. Um, But the Bears defense had me hoping. They had six sacks and an INT. They made the the young backup quarterback for the Ravens look kind of shaky and bad sometimes. But then he was able to also make some things happen, get some drives going, get some big passes when it mattered most. Um, But there we were with the time clicking, clicking down. The Bears were down by a score and driving and then on a fourth and 11 they hit a wide open deep ball touchdown under two minutes got in the lead 13 points to nine and i was thinking yes the chicago bears did it 
That's amazing. They're going to be relevant maybe for another week or two before they kind of fall to the abysmal point of not really seeming like they can catch back up with all the other teams competing competing for a playoff spot. But then their defense, which had been good so good all all game, just made major errors in in the secondary. They just missed some coverages, gave up a couple huge plays. Sammy Watkins got a really big catch, almost like within the red zone, almost to the goal line. And then Devontae Freeman ran in with almost little to no effort. There didn't seem like any defender was able to get their hands on him. And that was kind of surprising given that there was a lot of defenders in the middle of the field trying to get the stop, but the Bears couldn't do it. The Baltimore Ravens got a touchdown on their final drive pulled ahead 16 to 13 and with only um, a matter of seconds left Andy Dalton got to the middle of the field but just couldn't couldn't get it done oh and of course I say Andy Dalton because Justin Fields got injured at, at about the halftime for the Bears chance of winning I don't know if that hurt them actually Andy Dalton got was far more productive he got the big scores he had a huge play on his like second or third play of his um time as a starter to Darnell Mooney and Darnell Mooney was sweet. He had a, a rock solid game and it's been a really good season for Darnell Mooney pretty much all season long. So that was a lot of fun to see. This guy had 121 yards and a touchdown and he had that huge 60 yard uh, catch and run from Andy Dalton. So I'm excited to see what he can continue to do. He was drafted last year as a fifth round pick. So he's young and, um, you know, it, it'll be cool to see his career grow. I hope he can become an all-star for for the the Bears. One thing I'm not seeing, which is kind of frustrating, is seeing a lot coming from Allen Robinson. He's supposed to be their number one. He makes big plays. He's a big, tall, tough receiver. He makes big catches. But we haven't really seen it as much as I'd like to this year. So hopefully he'll turn that around. But until then, at least Darn, Darnell Mooney's doing decently. David Montgomery's healthy. They could probably get some wins and some upsets throughout the season. I don't think it's a play. It's almost definitely not a playoff uh, season for them this year with the losses they've had. But Baltimore able to sneak out a win with injuries, keeping them at the number one spot in the AFC. So props to them. And I'll just be rooting for Chicago to be the upset, you know, see if they can show some growth throughout the season and do some good things. And hopefully Justin Fields' injuries aren't too bad. Um, I'm not opposed to him sitting and just getting healthy and learning from the sideline, though. He's the long-term answer. He doesn't need to be the answer today. And Andy Dalton can certainly be a sufficient quarterback for the situation that they're in. Okay, it's time to take a little break from talking about football and talk about some food with my first football food interlude. And this week, I thought I'd talk about some food options that are pretty universal things anyone can really get, things that aren't from some place in San Francisco, but you could probably find something like this, you know, pick some stuff up at the grocery store or, you know, order something similar from a pretty accessible food chain or something like that. So I'm going to start with what I enjoyed during the Thursday night primetime game. And I just took a quick uh, walk down to my local Whole Foods. Uh, You know, it's a little bit more pricey than like a Safeway or a regular grocery store, but they have some really good solid pre-made, excuse me, pre-made food. And I went with some chicken and broccoli fettuccine Alfredo. That's, uh, it's not frozen, it's cold. All you have to do is pop it in the microwave for just a couple minutes. 
and it's a solid fettuccine alfredo. I love fettuccine alfredo. It's a dish I've liked since I was a little kid. I have memories of eating at the Olive Garden and getting uh, Cajun blackened uh, chicken breast over fettuccine alfredo and just kind of falling in love with that flavor. And I always kind of looked for it and, and found ways to enjoy that throughout um, throughout life. Anytime there was a good fettuccine alfredo to try, like I was on a cruise uh, a couple years ago, right before COVID started, and they had this fettuccine alfredo appetizer, and you could pretty much get everything on the item, everything, excuse me, everything on the menu when you're at a cruise, and I, I added that to every meal I had at dinner. No matter how many other courses I had, I was like, yeah, throw in the fettuccine alfredo. I might as well have a little bit. Um, but the one that the one that uh, Whole Foods makes is solid. The noodles are have a nice al dente texture to them. The Alfredo sauce is kind of, is rich and creamy and just like everything you'd like from an Alfredo sauce. It doesn't have that kind of funky flavor that sometimes some jarred Alfredo sauces have. And it's nice having some broccoli in there and the chicken tastes pretty good. Um, just a good, a good, relatively well calorie controlled meal. So I didn't overeat too much. And it was a solid meal to go with my uh, Thursday night uh, viewing, which was uh, which was great. Okay, but back to talking about football, and it is time for <laughs> Lame Ducks. So first, to start things off with the Lame Ducks segment, let's jump all the way back to the beginning of the week, the Thursday night primetime game, New England Patriots going up against the Atlanta Falcons, and they absolutely housed them 25-0. to Atlanta got completely shut out, and sorry, Atlanta, on all sides of the ball, but especially the offense, you are the first lame duck that I'm going to talk about. I mean, you could say, is Atlanta the lame duck or is New England really playing this well? And maybe it's a bit of a mix. Maybe it's a bit of both, but New England is playing great. But to start with Atlanta, they had some big injuries in the receiving corps that really seemed to have a huge impact to their game. Corderell Patterson was injured and couldn't play. Calvin Ridley, their number one all-star um, is still out dealing with his mental health struggles and is still taking time away from the team. So um, Matt Ryan's really left with not a lot of receiving options. Definitely not a lot, not a lot of big name receivings. They have their rookie tight end, who is pretty much as good as any as as good as a lot of wide receivers. That's Pitts, but he can't do it all by himself. And when he's the the main guy, the defense has to worry about. They can focus their attention on him thoroughly as well as the running game. And I can't even name the running backs off the top of my head for the Atlanta Falcons. They haven't done anything. I don't think they really have an all-star running back or even a real big name. I think they've got a couple guys who were backups a couple years ago and they thought maybe they could do something for them. But I really, I, I, yeah, I, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think who are the running backs for the Atlanta Falcons. I couldn't tell you because they haven't done anything of you know um, to their credit for this whole season really um, so yeah the Falcons just got completely stomped it wasn't even close by I think the fourth quarter I think it was already a complete blowout um, and Atlanta you know they had a couple moments where they had a couple games that made them kind of get back into the playoff conversation but these last couple weeks have been really bad and it's a, clearly a rebuilding year for them Hopefully, they can get some wins throughout the rest of the season. But today, Atlanta's offense lame-ducked it up. Props to the Patriots, though, who are now in first place in their division, 
thanks to Buffalo losing, and I'll get to that in a second, but Mac Jones, the quarterback, continues to be strong, play consistent, smart football. He's not asked to do too much, but he's playing within his means, and he's been very accurate. He's got a very strong um, uh, accuracy uh, completion percentage, and with the strong running game that they have and their excellent defense, New England's looking like the kind of team that won the Super Bowl very early in Tom Brady's career. So that's kind of scary for I think the rest of the rest of the NFL. And I would not hold it again. I wouldn't hold it past them to go all the way to the end of the season. I mean, with with the intelligent coaching that Bill Belichick brings, they're so smart about how they approach each game. They could really win any any single one of them, one would think. They really could. But we'll see how they do against the teams that they go up against throughout the rest of the season. I kind of think they might end up finishing in front of the Bills. I'm going to say it now. I think they might win that division. But um, maybe that's me just kind of jumping on the bandwagon. I don't know, though. We'll see. So speaking of the Buffalo Bills, they are definitely another lame duck for me to talk about this week, losing 41-15 to to the Indianapolis Colts. And as bad and as many mistakes as they made on offense, their defense just could not stop the running game, really couldn't stop Indianapolis at all. Buffalo also had a mistake on special teams more than a few times. They muffed a kickoff return for a fumble that gave Indianapolis the ball already in the red zone. They missed two field goals from Tyler Bass. It was a blowout before the fourth quarter even began. And the only good team Buffalo has beaten all season was the Chiefs. And when they beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs weren't very good. It was kind of a, oh, wow, look how good Buffalo is. They beat the Chiefs. And then a couple of weeks later, we realized the Chiefs were kind of playing bad and losing to a lot of teams at that time. So really, I haven't seen Buffalo play a team that was playing great at the moment where they beat them. Now they're playing the Pats on December 6th and December 26th. So those two games are really going to be telling in terms of who's going to win that division. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. If Buffalo can like go 50% on those, maybe they got a chance to get back in the lead in the division. But if they can't beat, if they can't beat New England, they're going to have to hope they can get into the playoffs as a wild card. And you got to see them win against a good team to have really any faith at this point that they could go on and get to the Super Bowl. They were a favorite to do that early in the season. But I think some things that have really hurt them is their running game has been quite absent in many times. Um, Josh Allen, he might just need to be their number one runner for the rest of the year for them to be that successful. And to be honest, he can do it. He can do something similar to what Lamar Jackson or other running quarterbacks can do. And it's fun to watch when he does it. So they might need to just put a little more focus on that. But there's plenty of time to go. We'll see, but I my biggest concern for them is that running game. As far as the Colts, just as a side note, Jonathan Taylor, the running back, is absolutely crushing it this season, um, and he might just be the one that's going to run the Colts right into the playoffs. He had a huge day again, 185 yards, 185 yards on 32 attempts and four touchdowns rushing plus another 19 receiving yards and another touchdown. That means he had 200 yards from scrimmage or 200 or more yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns on the day. If you have Jonathan Taylor in fantasy football, he probably won the game your week single-handedly. He has just been dominant all season. I will, at this point, 
I am almost expecting him to be crowned the um, the top running back in the NFL at the end of the year. Unless he gets injured, I don't see anyone being able to match him. He now leads the NFL in yards from scrimmage, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. And quarterback Carson Wentz has played in his, you know, has played within himself and done very well. He's avoided throwing a lot, hardly any interceptions all season. He doesn't need to have huge games in order for them to win because of Jonathan Taylor and their defense can also be quite stout and get some, you know, big stops, big turnovers. They've got a couple playmakers on that side of the ball. So really as long as Carson Wentz can just continue to not make big mistakes, they should be able to be in and win just about any game they're going up against. They've got some real tough ones coming up. So it'll be fun to see if they can keep getting wins. And if they do, we can almost certainly assume they're going to be in the playoffs, at least as a wild card, as as we move on. One other little note about the game. There was a super awesome interception where it was like a double pop-up, like kind of alley-oop, almost like a pop-pop um, interception by Kenny Moore, who, you know, the alley-oop kind of bobbled up to him. Then he bobbled it again and got that pick. It was an awesome play, super fun. Check that highlight out if you're curious. But uh, yeah, Buffalo. Lame ducks, and now you are no longer first place in your division. It seemed like it was going to be a given you were going to win early in the season, and now you're looking up at New England again, a familiar situation for the last few decades, I'd have to say. Moving on, another really good team that this week was just another lame duck was the Tennessee Titans losing 13 to 22 to the Houston Texans. And they had plenty of chances to get back in this game. But Ryan Tannehill, I'm really dubbing you the lame duck of the team this week. Four turnovers by Ryan Tannehill, four interceptions as part of a five turnover day for the Titans. The other one came from a botched, um, uh, punt return where the defender or the receiver, try, uh, the punt returner tried to get out of the way. The ball touched his foot, and it was. And then, um, and then Houston picked it up. It was a real mess of a moment. There were plenty of chances for Tennessee to get back in this game. Houston wasn't that far ahead. Tennessee started climbing back. I mean, they were down a couple scores. They started started climbing back, but they just they just kept making mistakes. Ryan Tannehill's interceptions. The first two, you know, they were already in scoring range. And then the final two, Tannehill cost them three. Um, and then the final two were at, at points where he really needed to kind of get them back in the game. So it was all critical moments when these interceptions happened. And then Tannehill also cost them three points when his intentional grounding forced a 10-second runoff at the end of the first half. So Tannehill, time and time again in this game, in a rainy stadium, just couldn't get it done kept being the reason that they were losing. Uh, every every player has a bad day. I think Ryan Tannehill will play a lot better for the rest of the season. I'm guessing this is going to be his worst game of the season. But for one week, Ryan Tannehill, you are certainly the lame duck, and you're going to have to make some adjustments because Derrick Henry's not there for you to be the play-action quarterback that you're you know, best at being, and you're going to have to be a little bit more and different. But I mean, their running game combined, they got over 100 yards. So really, just don't make the mistakes. Just don't throw four interceptions. I mean, there were so many chances for them to win this game, and it really was his turnovers that cost it for them. 
But props to Houston. Props to the Texans for getting a win. That's got to feel good for a team that's been losing almost all season. Tyrod Taylor had an awesome leaping touchdown run, one of his two rushing touchdowns. Great to see that from him who, you know, he was injured for a big chunk of the season. He looked really good at the start of the season when Houston actually won and like was looking pretty strong. So maybe Houston Texans can go on a run and get some score, get some wins as the season progresses now that Tyrod Taylor's healthy. We'll see. They're certainly not in the playoff conversation, but at least they're not a lame duck this week. Instead, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill. Sorry, lame ducks. Okay, before we take a break from the lame ducks, let's talk about one more, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders getting kind of manhandled in the fourth quarter, losing in what was a close game up until the fourth quarter, 32-13 to from the Cincinnati Bengals in their home stadium. Ah, the third straight loss for the Raiders. And yeah, they just kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter, trying to get back into it. Derek Carr struggled. He threw an interception. I think maybe he had a fumble too. It was just like once they were kind of down and it was desperation time, it all just went to hell. And, you know, everyone talks about how Derek Carr has really been a very good quarterback this season. He's been accurate. And it's true, except for when it actually matters. When it actually matters, when it's like really an important, critical time, more often than not this year, it does seem like Derek Carr kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of shits the bed, and um, it's a shame. I think he's better than that. I don't know what that means collectively. I mean, losing their head coach, losing their, you know, their speedster rugs for the season after his um, off-field. Uh, foolishness, uh, stupidity, um, insanity, whatever you want to call what he did, um, certainly has to be affecting this team. But on a bright note, Derek Waller continues to be the second best tight end in the league, arguably maybe even the first. He is badass. And he had another really big day, but it wasn't, you know, it's wasted when the rest of your team can't get it done. Their defense couldn't get it done at the end. Cincinnati was able to have some nice methodical drives. Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, <laughs> their running back, um, really helped move move the ball when they needed to most, and got a couple nice uh, nice moments, including I think one or two scores. So props to Cincinnati Bengals, but Las Vegas, you went from being number one in the division, and now you're on the verge of not even making the playoffs. It looks like if you continue down this downward spiral. Hopefully you can turn it around because I, I always like watching the Raiders do well. When the Raiders are doing well, it's more fun. That division is still pretty close, even though Kansas City is now in the lead by two games. But there's plenty of time to go, and and there's clearly opportunities for a, pl- a wild card spot in, in the AFC as well. So if the Raiders can turn things around, they certainly have a chance, just as, just as a bunch of other teams in the AFC do. All right, time for one more football food interlude before we get to the rest of the football conversation. Uh, Jump right into Sunday. I had a few really nice things that are easy to kind of come by during during the day, during lunch. I actually um, was lucky enough to have my in-laws make lunch for the family, and they made some salmon on the skillet. Um, and served up a salmon avocado sandwich with some sautéed spinach on my favorite bread of all time, Dave's Killer Bread. They've got tons of seeds around the crust. It's really whole grain. You can taste the whole grains. It's not, you know, it's actually got some bite. It's got great flavor. 
If you have, if you like healthy bread and you haven't tried tried Dave's Killer Bread, I recommend it wholeheartedly. And because my father-in-law was also going to Starbucks and he brought my my daughter a Starbucks croissant breakfast sandwich that she didn't want to finish, I ate some of that, and she had some leftover burrito from the night before, so I ate some of that. So I kind of ate like three half meals, uh, which was a lot of food, probably not the best idea. And then I did the smart thing and I decided to weigh myself for the first time since getting COVID, uh, which was shocking. 15 pounds. That's, I mean, it's a year and a half, but wow, 15 pounds and I can see it. Probably time for me to start getting back to some exercise and controlling my overeating more often. Um, Something to look forward to doing. But then Sunday night, for the primetime game, I ignored that thought completely and I went back to Smash Burger and I got a double double Smash Burger, some tater tots, um, and some Brussels sprouts. And really, the reason I ordered from them was I said, Hey, you know, I think I want some vegetables with my dinner. So I'll get some Brussels sprouts and I'll get a cheeseburger and fries t- and tater tots to go with it. <laughs> Good stuff though. Smash Burgers all around the country. Check them out if you haven't tried them yet. Like I said in a previous episode, I love that you can get a couple different types of sides, not just your typical fries. They do have really good tater tots, but the Brussels sprouts are awesome, and it's a great way to feel like you're being semi-health conscious while you're also eating a super greasy, delicious cheeseburger. Uh, Monday night, I continue to be half healthy and completely half not. I got a bag salad from Safeway, the Asiago kale um, pre-made salad that I've had many times. It's got some shredded Asiago cheese, some seasoned crumbled croutons, and a mix of kale and some other greens and some shaved Brussels sprouts um, with a nice uh, um, citrusy vinaigrette that it goes with it. And I paired it with a cheesesteak. I keep going back to the cheesesteak this season. I got it from the cheesesteak shop. You can get the cheesesteak shop all over the country. Probably the best cheesesteak I've ever had and one that you might find that you've ever had outside of actually getting a cheesesteak shop from Pat's or Gino's or one of the iconic places in Philadelphia. But it was a delicious dinner, albeit I'm very full and I'll need to make sure I keep up with my weekly routine of exercising and lifting weights on Mondays and Thursdays to start burning it off. But Thanksgiving is coming, so I'm going to worry about all that, you know, maybe next week. But always a challenge during during the holidays to try to eat healthy when there's so many treats, so many big meals, so much carbs and heavy foods. But a uh, good reminder to try to throw in a salad every once in a while, go for a jog, do your chores a little faster throughout the house to burn a couple extra calories, lift some weights, find some way to kind of balance it out so to stay healthy. And that was the football food interludes of the week. Okay, back to the games, and I got four more lame ducks before we'll jump to the number two most exciting game of the week as we round out getting close to the end of the show for the week, and so I'm going to jump over to the Dallas Cowboys losing 9-19 to to the Kansas City Chiefs, and neither quarterback threw a touchdown all game. It really was a struggle for both offenses, but lame duck to the Dallas offense, who just couldn't do hardly anything. Only three field goals on the day. Kansas City's defense was impressive, and they've been strong for the last four games, holding teams to 17 points or less in all of those 
in all of those bouts, although some of those opponents were not that good, and even the Raiders, you could say, have really struggled on offense a few times, but going up against this really stout offense, and this, or this really potent offense, and seeing Casey get this stop was quite impressive. Dak Prescott struggled without Amari Cooper, who was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list on Friday, so they had game-planned thinking that Amari Cooper was going to play on the day, and it certainly made things more difficult because they harder to adjust when you don't have your star wide receiver. And then C.D. Lamb took this huge hit to the back of his head on a deep ball right at the end of the second half um, when the defender got in front of him, got the interception, and then landed on him and kind of smashed him back into the ground. You saw C.D. Lamb's head smack, and he was concussed and was out for the rest of the game. So then Dallas was all of a sudden without not only their number one wide receiver, but their number two wide receiver as well. So hard to get things going, hard to get things moving. As a result, Dak really struggled all day. He only threw for 216 yards, 28 completions on 43 attempts, two interceptions, and he got sacked five times. And a credit to Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, who had a career high in sacks at three and a half. So he got almost all the sacks all by himself. He had actually been playing outside um, on the line throughout a large part of the season, although he was doing really good in the interior early on. And in this game, they moved him back to being an interior lineman, and it really seemed to show to be the place where he shines. I did hear one of the reasons they were able to do that was Melvin Ingram, uh, who they picked up, um, I think, as a trade before the trade deadline ended, has allowed them to have you know another uh, rusher on the edge. So maybe that's helped them kind of get their their defense a little bit more cohesive, add that element that they were missing. But Chris Jones, great job, career high in sacks, good for you. Um, another big props to the Kansas City defense, or you know, a knock to the Dallas offense was that they got held to running for only 82 yards. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott couldn't get much going, and neither could their backup running back, who's also very good, but not today. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, was you know, he probably could have been considered a lame duck too. He was uneven. He didn't play well quite often through the game. He only had 23 completions on 37 attempts for 260 yards, got zero touchdowns, and threw an interception. And if you have him in fantasy football, like I do, you would have been incredibly disappointed. The guy barely pulled seven points in fantasy. A real disappointment. Real shocker. So I got to say, at least for fantasy-wise, Patrick Mahomes, you're kind of a lame duck too. But Andy Reid's offense was creative and balanced, and they found a way to get some unique scores and get themselves in a position to be uh, to win. One example was when he used uh, Travis Kelsey in the Wildcat, which got a touchdown. Also why I maybe didn't get to see my quarterback get a touchdown, but props to Kansas City, who are now in first place by, I think, two games in their division. And Dallas, you are a lame duck for the week. There's been a couple uneven moments now in the middle of the season. They still seem like they've got what it takes when they're healthy to be a playoff contender, maybe even get to the Super Bowl. But, you know, health is a big one. And they're not doing they're not doing themselves any favors when they've got players like Amari Cooper who are 
you know, falling into this COVID-19 trap that that's ha- that's happening. And part of that has to be with how cautious and careful you're being. Um, he was, he's not been vaccinated and that's his choice and, you know, no judgment against the choice, but it's certainly putting his team at risk when his chance of being able to be available is decreased because of that decision. So moving on to another lame duck, a team that will forever be a lame duck until they finally get a win, the Detroit Lions, who lost 10 to 13 to the Cleveland Browns. And they didn't even have their starting quarterback, Jared Goff, because of an injury. And his backup, Tim Boyle, you know, did not play well. It didn't go great. He only threw for 77 yards and zero touchdowns. He had two interceptions. I will say the Lions' bright spot is another guy on my fantasy team, DeAndre Swift, who had a very big day running the ball, 14 carries for 136 yards, including his true-to-name on his speedy 57-yard career-long touchdown. He certainly was swift in that play. But back to uh, Cleveland, Jarvis Landry's wildcat touchdown run was pretty fun, but I haven't seen this guy get the ball thrown to him hardly at all. And, you know, you got to think that that's another big uh, issue with Cleveland. Certainly, Baker Mayfield is struggling. He's got like six or seven injuries he's dealing with. So, really, they're not much, they're not that far out of the lame duck conversation just because of their health. But they got the win against a team they should have beat. So, good to them. Nick Chubb had another strong game for fantasy owners, at least. 130 rushing yards and a receiving touchdown. And Cleveland, you know, still in in the thick of things, still has a chance to kind of get momentum and get into a playoff spot. So we'll see how that goes. But Detroit, I'm pulling for you. I hope you get a win. Come on, get yourself out of the lame ducks. Everyone will cheer. <laughs> Hopefully it happens. All right, I got two more lame ducks. And these ones, I'm just going to go through them quickly. First off, Monday night, Tampa Bay winning against the New York Giants 30-10, to kind of what you'd expect. Boy, the Giants just did not look good against a strong Tampa Bay team who played very solidly. They couldn't do hardly anything on offense. Um, they, were, they got sacked a couple times. There was a couple turnovers. They couldn't convert on third downs. And Tampa Bay looked solid. They looked how they should, and they got a clean, big win. So congrats to Tampa Bay. You're back on track. The Giants... You're just about out of playoff contention. It's a bit of a shame. Saquon Barkley got back from injury, but he didn't do much. I think he got like maybe 25 yards. Maybe he's still kind of getting back into the swing of things. Hopefully he'll get things going and they'll get some wins as the season progresses. And lastly, the New York Giants lost to the Miami Dolphins 24-17. to And I got to put them in the lame duck category. I mean, Miami's not that much better, but Miami has won like a few games in a row now. So congrats to them. Three games in a row. Props to them. Tua Tua Tagabaloa played pretty solidly. Maybe Miami could be the team that could upset multiple times, um, upset teams multiple times as the season goes on. Their defense seems to be getting better and better as the year year goes. But the Jets, they're just, again, another team that's just going to be Part of this lame duck uh, segment, probably for the rest of the year, unless they can get a win. And, you know, on their third string quarterback, Joe Flacco, he did okay. He did better than the other backups, but not much to say about him. 
And that's all the lame ducks. Boy, there was a lot of them this week. I really hope next week there are more competitive games. There is more strong, solid play from teams. And we can have um, maybe something else to talk about besides all these lame ducks. And as promised, it is now time for the number two most exciting game of the week. And I'm giving that one to the Sunday night primetime game matchup of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the L.A. Chargers. And it was a pretty solid match. The Chargers were in the lead pretty strongly for a good portion of the game. But Pittsburgh found a way to come back down 27-10 and get back, tie the game, get in the lead only for the Chargers to get back and win it. It was huge. It was fun. It was high scoring. There were awesome plays. There were some great catches, especially a couple from Deontay Johnson from Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Justin Herbert played good. Williams, hit receiver, had that epic touchdown, that huge, deep touchdown catch and run to, to silence Pittsburgh after they got in the lead in the fourth quarter. It was fun, man. All sorts of good action in that game. There was some good defensive plays. As I mentioned, a ton of great offensive plays. Austin Eckler scored a bunch. I think, what do you have, like four touchdowns? That running back is strong. I think he's got a nickname with his teammates as like the strongest pound-for-pound player in the league. That's probably not exactly the nickname. I think it's pound-for-pound. They call him pound-for-pound because this dude is stronger than anybody else his size. He does crazy stuff in the weight room every week, apparently. One-arm pull-ups, all sorts of, like, really impressive stuff. And he's fun. He's got this cool, like, air guitar, like, touchdown celebration that he's done a few times. Makes for great football. So props to the Chargers for getting the win, 41-37 to to against Pittsburgh. Getting back on track, getting themselves back into gear, hoping to get that playoff spot. Maybe they can come back and edge out Kansas City. There's time to still get back, even though they are two games behind. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, pretty big loss considering Baltimore won this week, but it was definitely the number two most exciting game of the week. Okay, before we jump to the most exciting game of the week and wrap up the show, it's time for some hot takes. And first, jumping over to Philadelphia, where... They were strong as heck against the New Orleans Saints, winning 40-29. to It was a pretty close, pretty exciting game. But really, at this point in the season, these teams are going in opposite directions. The New Orleans Saints seem to be a lock to get a wild card spot earlier. Trevor, uh, Trevor Simeon has done pretty well as the um, in replacement of Jameis Winston ever since he went out with a uh, season-ending injury, but he hasn't been able to do quite enough. Alvin Kamara is still injured, and of course Mark Ingram has done decent, but again, not as good as Alvin Kamara. Their defense seems to start to struggle. We're starting to see some cracks as these def- as these injuries are penetrating. But um, yeah, they're slowly falling apart, and I'm starting to think they might not even make it into the playoffs, whereas the Philadelphia Eagles are getting hot and hotter and hotter as it progresses. Their defense is strong. They've got a killer defensive line. Their running game has really been coming on, 
And big props to Jalen Hurts, who's contributing to that running game. He had 69 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns, including this sweet juking, um, shaking, and sprinting touchdown run. That was an awesome highlight, worth checking out if you don't recall it. Um, so he's had a great day. He also threw for 147 yards on um, with 14 attempts on 24, uh, 14 completions on 24 attempts. So Jalen Hurts is really coming into his own. He's a fun quarterback to watch, and I really enjoy him. Another highlight of this game was seeing Darius Slay get a pick six. This guy has gotten a couple fumble returns for touchdowns this season, and now he's got a pick six. He's a great player, um, and now he's with a, a team that's getting better and better as the season progresses. It'll be fun to see Philly, I think, just about every game for the rest of the season, and it'll be cool to see where they go. And for my other hot takes game, I want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals going into Seattle with Kyler Murray injured, winning 23-13. And like I said, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, their number one true all-star receiver, and no matter. Zach Ertz, who they picked up as a trade, getting him from the Philadelphia Eagles, has been huge, and he's getting better and better and more cohesive with his team, it seems. Um, a great addition for tight end for them since they lost their starter earlier in the season, and he had a big day. 88 receiving yards, two touchdowns, thanks to Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy's only two touchdowns went to Zach Ertz, but he had a ton of yards, 328. Incredibly efficient, 35 for f- 35 completions on only 44 attempts. That's almost 80% completion percentage. His best day since 2014, I heard. Um, and they were just awesome. For the Seahawks, though, Russell Wilson still doesn't look right. Two weeks back from his finger injury, he only had 14 completions on 26 attempts for 270, 207 yards. That's a measly 53% completion percentage. So far below his average. And the offense just wasn't in sync yet again. There was a, there was a whiffed pitch handoff as an example that should have just really been no problem. They're just they're just not gelling. They're not getting it done. They're not finding a way to to do what they've always been good at doing with Russell Wilson is be strong on offense. It's usually been other parts of their team that have hurt them. But also DK Metcalf, you know, he just didn't have a great day. He couldn't do much. He had this moment where he had this one handed almost catch in the end zone. And he bobbled it. And he got it, but his foot had already stepped out of bounds. Just not in sync. They're close. I think they're going to get back to being the Seattle Seahawks that we're used to seeing, but it might be a little too late. Right now, they're not even being considered in the playoff picture. Seattle has actually now gone 18 straight drives without a touchdown. It's getting rough in Seattle. The 12, that that legendary fan base, has got to be pulling their hair out. But... um. We'll see how they can do. I'm, I'm at least I think Seattle will play some upsets, play uh, pro- provide some upset specials as the season rounds out. But for now, they're a bit of an afterthought when it comes to this coming up playoff picture. And those are my hot takes. And now, before we end the show, it is time for the number one most exciting game of the week. And I'm giving that to an awesome divisional matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings in a game Minnesota really had to win if they wanted to keep up 
with all these NFC teams vying for a playoff spot, and Green Bay had a chance to maintain their lead as the number one seed in the NFC conference. But alas, Minnesota pulled off a win in a crazy back-and-forth game, winning it 34-31, to and it was, it was sweet. There were zero turnovers after two cousin INTs were called back, one for roughing the passer, and the other ended up being uh, touching the ground with under two minutes left when it was a tie game, so it was really a pivotal moment. But when you look at these two quarterbacks in comparison, Aaron Rodgers, he had 23 completions on 33 attempts for 385 yards and four touchdowns. That's 148.4 quarterback rating. And Kirk Cousins wasn't far off. He had 24 completions on 35 for 341 yards and three touchdowns and 128.4 quarterback comparison rating. These guys looked neck and neck. And then they had two all-star wide receivers also performing at an elite level. Devontae Adams for the Green Bay Packers with 115 yards and two touchdowns. And then for the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson had a day that matched a record that the all-time great Randy Moss had made earlier in the earlier in his career when he got 169 yards and two touchdowns. It was truly awesome from both teams. Like I said, it was back and forth. The lead, especially in the fourth quarter, it was really seemed to be up in the air. Just when Minnesota kept getting back in the lead and you thought they were going to win it, Green Bay would come back with some awesome plays. But Minnesota had the ball to finish it. They drove the field down. They got into field goal range. They were able to kill all the time on the clock not letting Aaron Rodgers have even a second, which seems to be necessary considering Aaron Rodgers has won games with like 30 seconds to work with. And props to the Minnesota Vikings getting a big win. They've been in so many close games all season. They've lost a ton of them. But with this win, they can still look up and think there might be a chance for us to get back and get into the playoffs. And they really have a lot of potent quality players They've got good coaching, great running back in Dalvin Cook. Their defense should and could be very solid. So I'm excited to see what the Minnesota Vikings can do. Green Bay now falls out of first place in the NFC Conference because of Arizona's win. So if it was to end today, they would not have the bye week. And that's a real big deal. But, I mean, they're a solid team. They could get back there. I think the biggest concern for Green Bay fans has to be that Aaron Rodgers got a foot injury. He t- said how pain, how painful it was and how much pain he's in. He should be able to play next week, but he's going to be playing through pain for a couple weeks. They're playing on Thanksgiving, so we'll see how he looks. Keep an eye out for that. But that one was definitely the most exciting game of the week, and I hope we get some great games this Thanksgiving weekend. We've got three matchups on Thanksgiving, which will make the Sunday a little bit lighter spread the football around a little bit more, but it should be a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for week 11 of Strider NFL Football Reviews. I'm your host, Ian Strider. I hope you enjoyed all the great games, enjoyed listening to the show. Until next time, have a great week. Enjoy your holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy football. Enjoy some great food. And until next time, 